Welcome to the Aquatic Life, a podcast about underwater photography, diving, and adventure travel. I'm Todd Reimer, and with me, as always, is Dalton Ham. Hey, what's going on? It's good, man. How about you? Pretty good. You know, just uh, trying to stay quarantined in coronavirus 2020. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get into our main topic today, why don't we uh, tell everyone what's been going on this week? <laughs> As you mentioned, it's uh, quarantine 2020. Uh, and so photography <laughs> options are a little bit limited. Yeah, since they um, have canceled pretty much every sporting event and um, businesses are, are shutting down that aren't essential businesses, work has pretty much come to a standstill. So so just been uh, catching up on some uh, TV shows and you know, just doing stuff around the studio, cleaning up, organizing, uh, things like that. How about you, bud? Uh, it's kind of been a little bit odd in that I have, uh, two new leads for work. One of them happens to be at a hospital working with OR nurses and things like that. So I'm a little bit concerned about taking them up on that job, as you can imagine. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm right. not finished with that yet, but, uh, we're going to have to see how that goes. But just like you, I think all the streaming services have been, been put to good use. I think starting next week, I've got to, uh, Tailor down and then concentrate on some personal projects we can do at home. I've got some ideas of, you know, doing some more dog photos and playing with some of the lights you let me. So I'm hoping to get into that next week. Awesome. So our main topic today is five quick tips on how to take a better photo while you're diving. So why don't you start off? off. What is tip number one, Dalton? Well, I think probably number one would have to be if you think you're close enough get closer. And by that, I mean, exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> get, <laughs> get, get closer. Um, I see so many people that'll take a photo. And then when we're looking at it, I'm like, you know, uh, that's, you know, it's pretty good, but you probably could have been a bit closer. And I think underwater that is, especially important and um, you want to tackle on some of the reasons why there, Todd? Yeah, I totally agree. It, this is a problem in nature photography in general, whether you're shooting topside or underwater, but it's usually magnified underwater. First of all, you're not walking around and stopping a spot. You're swimming and you're in awe of nature and you're basically have wildest life that you want to take a picture of, but you also have the urge to respect them. But you have to also remember you're shooting, you're shooting wide angle, usually as wide as possible, which we'll, we'll talk about those reasons later on, but you, you basically want to shoot as, as wide as possible, which means that your subject, even if you see that looks like, you know, you, you have a shark that's just a couple of feet away from you and you think, Oh yeah, I'm going to get a picture of that shark. It's great. It's going to turn out great. Or you take that picture, the shark's going to look tiny, even at a couple of feet away. Any subject when you're shooting wide angle is going to look much smaller than in real life. So you have to get even closer than what you think is natural. And then if you happen to be shooting with a fisheye, it's magnified even more. So most of the subjects when you're shooting wide angle, you need to get closer. 
And But the same is true even when shooting macro is you really have to think about filling the frame with your subject. When I first started diving, it was definitely not something that's natural. You had a normal distance that you have in the back of your brain of, oh, yeah, this this should look good. I'm I'm pretty close to that subject. You take the picture and you're definitely way too far away. Absolutely. And I think it also has to do with um, even if you have like a point and shoot camera instead of or instead of zooming in, I was going to say, even if you have a um, a zoom lens on your DSLR and you got a zoom ring to control it, uh, try to resist that urge to zoom in and actually move closer. That's one of the yeah. things I like about using a prime lens. Um because the more water you have between you and your subject, the more turbidity, the more particles in the water, the less clear your image will be. And also, if you're using lights, light yep. fall off is exaggerated and underwater by a large margin. Exactly. So fill the frame with your subject by getting closer and re reducing the amount of water that's next to you. Your, your strobes will be more effective. You'll have better color. You'll have less backscatter. So if you think you're close, get closer. And if you're yeah. just starting out, it's, it's definitely a mantra to think about every single time. Yep, absolutely. What is tip number two, Dalton? I'm going to make you do all of them. <laughs> all right. Uh, tip number two. We got dial in your camera settings before you get in the water. So what are your jump settings, Todd? It will depend based on everything from uh, am I shooting wide angle? Am I shooting macro? And what subject am I going to, to shoot? Because it could could change. But uh, and so I'll get into that in a second. But I think the main thing, though, is most time, most of the time you get in the you you get your camera rig ready. You get in the water, you turn on the camera, you start playing around with your settings while you're in a dive. You're wasting, you're wasting uh, time and valuable air in that tank. And when you could just happen to land on top of a manta ray and because your camera isn't ready to go, you might miss that shot. So it's always good to have something dialed in to start. And it's also good to take a test shot because there are lots of things that could go wrong that if you ha haven't been on the dive yet you could still have a chance to fix such as making sure your camera's on before you start making sure your lens cap is off your camera and that you have a memory card in so all of those things i have learned the hard way i don't know about you, you but i've done you all and me of both. those yeah <laughs> you and me both there's nothing worse than getting your whole rig tested make sure everything's watertight all put together and you're ready to go on your dive the next day you wake up in the morning you happen to look down at your camera housing before you put it in your bag and you see a lens cap yeah. it has and, happened to me more than once and it's not fun because your dive you get to be a regular diver because you're not gonna be taking any more pictures but that's usually when all the good stuff comes out is when you do something silly like that of course Yep. So I think the key here is get your camera together, uh, take a test shot to make sure you're, you've got batteries in your strobes, your camera's on, you actually have memory card in, all that stuff will be done if you force yourself to take a test shot before you get on that boat and get ready for that dive. Then the second step is to say, okay, well, I'm going for a dive to 
basically shoot wide angle. I'm going to we'll get into another episode where we'll talk about approaches. What do you, whether you shoot manual or aperture priority, shutter priority and the benefits of each. But let's just keep in general the guidelines I like to go by with. If I'm not sure I, I'm going to have a nice sunny day. Uh, and I'm shooting wide angle and I'm hope to see some big animals. I want to be shooting at at least F8 and a shutter speed of at least 125th of a second. And that's a good, good starting point for me. The ISO, I will either keep, if I know it's already, already sunny, um, I will keep, I will dial in a low ISO. Otherwise I will keep it as, on auto. Uh, and then if it's macro, I'm going to have my shutter speed at the max shutter speed that my camera will allow to have uh, shutter sync with my strobes. For Canon, that's usually one two hundredth of a second. I actually tend to dial it back one stop below that, so it may be one sixtieth of a second. Um, and then my aperture, depending on if I'm shooting macro, I will start at of at least f eleven. And if I'm shooting super macro, I'll dial it up to fourteen or sixteen to start, and then adjust from there. How about you? Yeah, um, pretty much in the same. I'll uh, I usually start just with a general setting um if i'm doing wide angle one one twenty fifth i usually have an iso i'll usually start at 100 depending on what the daylight's like i might raise it a little bit um but i usually have f8 one one twenty fifth iso 100 and, and that might fluctuate depending on like i said if it's a bright sunny day and we're shooting you're getting in the water at noon and you got plenty of light, you know, um, otherwise I might bump it up to about 400 and depending on the time of day. Um, similarly with macro, I usually start out around F11 or F13 and same go up to about, except with the Nikon, I can go up to um, 1 3 20th of a second for sync speed. So Aren't you fancy. <laughs> hey nikon's got to have at least one benefit over you guys yeah. and you guys hey, are crushing it with video and nah no, 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 no. <laughs> and speed yeah, Nik shutter, nikon's, you know, frames yeah, per second nikon's got look we don't need it to pat each other's backs but you know you got you got it where it counts you have one of the best sensors in the industry nikon does and and having yeah. having the shutter spink sync speed at higher is 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 definitely of a benefit yeah and, and I think honestly the, at the i was just gonna say yeah. honestly at the end of the day um it doesn't matter if you're shooting nikon canon or sony they're all great cameras um they each one has their own little thing that's better than the other but at at the end of the day they're all very good cameras and they all take great photos so it doesn't matter which family you're choosing to stay with for sure. And and similarly, it doesn't matter what Dalton's settings that he likes are and I, my settings that, that I like are. Once you start getting used to your cam camera and you, you know what you like to shoot, the key is to think about what your type of photos you're hoping to get before you get in the water, get them dialed in and make sure your camera is working properly before you get in the water. And that way you basically, if you happen to get lucky and as soon as you jump in the water and you see what you're hoping to see, you can just start clicking, clicking away without having to think about it. Yeah. And especially, I mean, the, the whole point of it is to just to have your camera in the right area. So like if I shot a football game the day before, 
where my settings are one two thousandths of a second at ISO 100 and, you know, 2.8. You know, if I get in the water and I get down there just to get into something reasonable, it's going to take, you know, a minute or two just to get it set. So, you know, you just want to save yourself that time. For sure. Excellent. Well, what is tip number three, Dalton? I believe we're going to go with go slow and be patient. Let the sea life come to you. I think the big thing here is it's easy to get excited. And when you see what you're hoping to see, uh, that you just want to go and, and start shooting and go crazy and you start swimming frantically towards whatever you want to take a picture of, but so is everyone in your group, right? So when that happens and you see what you want to see, just for me, I always like to kind of sit back one again, we kind of talked about this in the last episode, but let everyone else go and check out whatever wildlife the group is checking out. But also sea life tends to react better towards things that aren't swimming directly at them in a frantic manner where they think their life might be in danger. And so if you kind of scope out and observe the animal behavior, move slowly, observe how the animal's moving and which direction it's moving so you can best be positioned, you tend to, to, you tend to end up being in the right spot for when something swims by. Yeah, and also, I mean, you have to remember we're on an open circuit system on scuba and we're producing all these bubbles, making all this noise. And they they definitely know you're coming far before the time you actually get there. So the slower you go, um, just like with if we were in a parking lot and I came running up to you, waving my arms and screaming, you're going to be on edge. (laughs) You know, you're probably going to get in your car, close the door, roll (laughs) up the windows. But if I kind of come walking up to you really chill, like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? You know, or whatever, you know, you're going to be a lot more approachable. So, you know, it's very similarly, um, you know, you also have to think that we're dealing with wildlife. So we are depending on, you know, how tall you are or whatnot. But if you take the average person and say, five seven ends up being the average between men and women let's say five seven you add two feet of you know our foot and a half of fins you know you go from five seven to seven foot and then you scrap strap on scuba gear so you got this big tank on the back so now you're depending on, on what your body type is now you're twice as big as you were before and you're making these weird sounds, you know, you're something that they're not accustomed to seeing. And they look at you as a potential seven foot predator that's, you know, so the the slower you can take it, the better off you'll be. Excellent. I love that analogy. That's awesome. <laughs> OK, so what <laughs> is tip number four, Dalton? Shoot up. And I don't think we're talking about drugs here. <laughs> so why don't you tell us why if we're not shooting up what do we mean by shoot up so basically it's um it's a similar concept in sports so you want to get low and shoot up at the subject to make them look grander and more hero-esque 
Um, so this would be similar underwater. You want to get below your subject, shoot angle up at it um, for multiple reasons underwater because one, it makes your subject look larger, fuller, <clears throat> but also you're starting to incorporate the water surface into your photo so you can potentially get sky um potentially a nice sun ball behind your subject is always nice uh things like that yeah i think you hit the nail on the head both both points the big thing for me for shooting up is and we'll get to that in the next tip spoiler alert but so much of it is to get a nice clean background if you shoot if you're shooting up you have a nice blue background for the most of the time because you've got the water column. You have sometimes, a lot of the times, the sun or sun rays in the background. It, it becomes a nice way to compose an underwater portrait, as well as, make, like you said, making a subject look grander. And we're used to typically seeing something, you know, when shooting pictures of each other and you're not used to shooting sports or anything like that, you're going to typically shoot straight on or a little bit down on a subject. But you, you also still have a lot of the sky and things like that in the water shooting up makes makes a nice clean background. Now, of course, there's always exceptions to that, because if you're shooting up on certain subjects like a turtle or a whale shark, they're not nearly as pretty to look at from underneath as they are from from uh, top down. So like as with anything, there's always exceptions to rules. This is one of them. But in general, it's a good starting point to think of if you have a generic subject if I get a little at its at its subject's level and a little bit below so you can shoot up to it, you usually have an easier time getting a cleaner background and making the subject look more pleasing. Absolutely. What is tip number five? Number, f- number five. So tip number five, we have the negative space. Background is as important as the foreground or subject. Sure. So as we uh, were just referring to in the last step is a lot of the times you want to get a picture of your subject and like, okay, there's this great turtle, but he's stuck in a bunch of a coral or under a rock. And you could get a good picture of the turtle and, and be really close up to it. You, you got right to its nose. It, it, it's, it's, you took your time and you're patient and it does not afraid of you. And it's letting you sit right next to it. And you get this great picture, but it's sitting kind of wedged in between a rock and there's there's uh, all sorts of stuff that it's that's stuck behind it. Your photo is not going to be very pleasing. So a lot of times this is the most difficult part of what turns a decent photo into a really good photo is understanding the foreground is as important or more important even than the subject itself. You want to have a nice, clean background you want the background to basically tell a story if anything for what the sub where the subject is and a lot of times it's it's so difficult to find that right spot when you find if you start looking for that background that has a nice reef that has a nice pleasing shape or you have a nice clean background you want to have that in the back of your mind and it takes it takes some due diligence to keep that in mind because you're like oh hey there's a turtle there's a shark there's a ray you just want to go take a picture of it but it you want to have in your mind as you're looking through the viewfinder of that subject is what's happening in the background is there stuff that's you know uh branches of uh seagrass or something else 
just cutting across it where it looks like it's going to be growing out of the animal? Am I shooting down on it? And so now all you're seeing is the seafloor and that's not very pretty. Maybe I need to get under it, shoot back so I have a nice clean blue background. Or, hey, I want to just shoot a nice reefscape. Well, now I need to look at that reefscape. I'm going to have lots of little antheas or small fish, but I need to make sure that the coral reef that's behind it is a nice, pleasing set of of uh, of coral versus just any random piece where where that uh, where that is. Um, and again, we can talk more about that later. But that's kind of the the thought is yes, the subject is important, but the background and having a nice, clean shot it's much, much harder to get a nice, clean background, especially underwater. So you have to really be diligent about thinking about that when you're composing a shot. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I think one of the first things I do if I see a turtle or a shark or angelfish or anything that I want to take a photo of is before I even start approaching it, I just try to look and take in the whole area and decide, okay, do I want to go low? Do I want to go left, right, above, you know, and and make that plan before I even start approaching it. Yep. Totally agree. And it's, it, this is one of the hardest things. It's a good tip to always have in your, in your, in your mind as you're taking photos, but it's, it's a lot of the times you're just not going to be lucky. You know, you, you, you get the seahorse and, it's right there and you want to get a picture of it. It may not always be in the ideal spot. So you try your best. You have it in the back of your mind. If anything else, try to look at different angles. So there isn't some, there isn't some coral behind it. That's kind of, that would kind of intersect it with it. So you just kind of swim an inch to the left or inch to the right things. So long as you have that in your back of your mind, it'll help towards getting a, a, a cleaner photo. You can't always have everything your way, but if you, so long as you're thinking about it, you'll get a higher percentage of good shots if you have that in the back of your mind. Absolutely. Good. So I think I have one more pro tip that we that we don't have on the list. And bonus tip number bonus, six. Bonus. And it might not sound like much, and it's probably a, a really cheap tip. But I can't stress it enough. Get some type of coil or retractor and connect your camera to your BC. (laughs) You don't want, especially the more expensive your your gear gets, um, the more important this actually gets. So... You know, get a coil or a retractor, clip, tie it to your camera housing, hook it to your BC. That way, if something happens, God forbid, that it's not going to drop to the seafloor or it's not going to float off and float, off. And float away. Um, I think we all have either personal stories or stories of friends or been on a dive trip where, you know, somebody lost something. And, you know, so you just want to make sure you got that, that security. Um, so that's, that's my, uh, that's my extra pro tip there. Excellent tip, Dalton. Yeah, actually, I was on a trip in Fiji and a husband and wife had two very nice sea life cameras. And we had a ton of current on this one dive to the point where it was pretty unmanageable. But the sea life cameras, they're, they're kind of, uh, in between, right? They're small enough to handhold, but they did not have them secured to their BCs and they had trouble hanging on and they both lost their sea life cameras on the same dive. 
And uh, it was it was heartbreaking. I felt for him. And especially when you're talking about, you know, something that's five to ten bucks, you know, 15, maybe if you're, you know, splurging on some extra bells and whistles on your uh, on your retractor. So, I mean, it's money well spent. Totally agree. Well, I think uh, if we give it some more thought, we're going to have a lot more quick tips to keep giving you. We'll definitely come with five more quick tips. I'm sure you guys can all think of them. So if you have any good quick tips you want to tell everyone, please make sure to write on into feedback at the aquatic life podcast.com. So I think next week we're going to record our next episode. And I believe we have on tap if I'm looking at right, which is our favorite places for travel for underwater photography. So look forward to that in the next. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. So before we wrap things up here, why don't you tell everyone where they can find more about you, Dalton? Uh, They can find my photography work at daltonham.com and on Facebook and Instagram at daltonham photography. And for anything diving related, piratedivecrew.com. Excellent, Dalton. They can find more of my work at toddreimerphoto.com. And in the meantime, check out our show notes for more information on where to find more examples of this topic, including several example photos for each of our five quick tips. You can find more episodes of this podcast on theaquaticlifepodcast.com. Email us at feedback at theaquaticlifepodcast.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes and subscribe to get all the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And uh, look forward to catching you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Take it easy.